0: The A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Bruce. Here, as always, with my co-host, A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to that on the regular, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast network feed on Apple, Spotify, And subscribe there so you don't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. And uh, I keep forgetting to throw this in at the beginning. Not going to forget this week. We're getting 1% 1 better. Uh, As Butch, as the great Butch Jones used to to say, get 1% better every day. YouTube. Go to the YouTube uh, and subscribe there. A to Z Sports. Just seek out A to Z Sports on YouTube. And Subscribe. And then the episodes and clips from the episodes uh, drop there also. At charlie underscore burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z sports, Twitter, Instagram, facebook.com slash A to Z sports, Nashville and A to Z sports.com for all the stuff that we write on the internet. Well, Zach, let's get down to brass tacks. This show, let's be completely honest with the folks, the good folks. Um, that listen to this show. We are actually coordinating with Tennessee football. This is, I'm pulling, I'm pulling back the curtain, but I think we should be honest with everybody who listens to the show. Cause they are, you know, they're so gracious giving their time and listening. We are coordinating with Tennessee football to make sure that we record when Tennessee football recruits commit. Um, we have, we, we approached Tennessee and we said, hey, we would love to do this. We can we can get the word out when Tennessee has recruits that commit, you know, um, to, to the folks that listen. And, uh, and, and we'll do that. And Tennessee was so gracious. They said, sure, th- that sounds great. Uh, and so every time we record now, a, a recruit just commits to Tennessee, and it's a lot of fun and we get to talk about it. And today there was another one. Did you see this, Zach? In reality? Yet another recruit committed to Tennessee uh right before we we started to record. This is crazy.
1: It is really crazy. Is the fact that he committed when we would normally be recording. We pushed back yeah. an hour uh today from our normal time. So didn't I, get the memo. But. Yeah, I think we we might have dropped the ball on that. Maybe we didn't pass along that information. It was kind of a a, a late change this morning to our recording time. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like. uh we're owed uh, uh, some gratitude from Tennessee fans because I feel like we're doing our part. You got the NIL stuff that they they have to coordinate with Tennessee, which recruits you want to pay. And then we kind of coordinate with them as well on, on as commitment times and, and when that's going to happen. And, and Monday's been the day uh, so far this past couple of months.
0: Contrary to what I just said, that was just a joke. We're not actually coordinating with Tennessee, unfortunately. I wish we were uh, because, honestly, Tennessee at this point, cut cut the boys a check. We we need the help. I gotta put food on the table. Zach's got a kid to care for. You know where we, we got we got needs. Tennessee, we're helping you out here. Hello, somebody. Uh yeah, throw you know. some of that
1: NIO money over here.
0: Exactly. You we can we can get this dude set up with an eight million dollar deal and you can't can't throw us a few shekels when we're we're on here, you know, promoting every a, every a- time
1: allegedly Yeah, Alleg-
0: allegedly setting up an eight million dollar deal that's true the asterisk i i'm sorry <laughs> actually now tennessee they're probably offended i have offended them by not saying allegedly i apologize uh well anywho aaron turn or aaron andre turrentine i don't know why i thought aaron andre turrentine he is a db from ohio state commits to tennessee five minutes before we get on here and this one just to wrap that up in a boat this really is uh is it four out of the last six weeks we've had a recruit either on the day we record while we record uh i might check check me on that but it is something close to that four out of last seven i i don't know what it is um but we are really on a roll as far as whatever it is. Yeah, on Mondays when we record, this is yeah, when they see, do it. I think I think we're we're really kind of exposing their their like pattern. This is when they yeah. like to have recruits commit. I guess I don't know.
1: I think the the two weeks that we didn't have a commitment on the day of or when we were were uh, recording was when we did it on Tuesdays the past two weeks because of travel yeah. and other things going on. So yeah, there <laughs> is something to that. <laughs> there
0: there really might be. I, I don't know if they're like oh well. Tennessee fans, we, we all know every everybody's having a, a tough Monday. You're getting back into the work grind, so we're going to give you a, a lift, get a recruit here for Tennessee. I, I'm not sure what it is, or it is just purely coincidence, but just for some reason, we, we do appreciate it. Um, but actually, l- last week, we did miss it by about two hours or whatever it, it might have been. There was a commit right after we recorded last week, um and so they whatever it is, they like these Mondays, Tuesdays, and this in particular this pickup with uh the transfer tarantine from Ohio State he is a Nashville guy, a Tennessee based guy. he was the did you say he was the number four recruit from the state of Tennessee in the class of 2021 um in in the 2021 class he was recruited by Pruitt back then uh and Pruitt whiffed and he and this uh and Turrentine went to Ohio State and now Heipel, after we actually had the discussion um locked down the number one player in the state of Tennessee for the class of 2023 um now he's kind of Going back in time and correcting the mistakes of Jeremy Pruitt <laughs> and saying, well, Pruitt couldn't get this kid, so I'm going to get this kid. And, and he's bringing him back. Uh, he this uh, this young man redshirted at Ohio State and now Tennessee at a position that I would say it might be the, the biggest position of need on this entire team. He's bringing in a guy that Tennessee arguably should have had anyway. Um, I This is a great pickup. Um, despite the the ridiculousness of them always committing during our show. Um, this is awesome. I, I love this.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely I mean, it's the biggest position of need for Tennessee. when you looked at the transfer portal and what they needed to add, it's all about defense, especially the secondary. And then you add in that he's a Tennessee kid from Nashville. That just makes it even better. We are talking about Pruitt and whiffing on this guy, uh, Tennessee was in his top four when he committed to Ohio State, signed with Ohio State in December of 2020, just before Pruitt was fired. I believe it was LSU and Alabama, maybe, that were the other teams. Yes, LSU and Alabama were the other teams he was considering. Pruitt only got one kid out of the top ten players in the state of Tennessee in the 2021 class. Uh, You had players go Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, UNC, Tarantino went to Ohio State, TCU, Georgia, and Virginia Tech. Also running back to Virginia Tech out of Chattanooga. It really just shows how much much Pruitt kind of ignored in state recruiting. I mean, we kind of saw it. He signed a lot of three-star players from Alabama. I mean, that was kind of like his go-to. It was like the Alabama and Auburn rejects were kind of like what Pruitt built his class around. I don't know if he was just more comfortable uh in that territory because that's kind of that was his backyard. It's, it's where he spent most of his career and his life. Or if he just didn't like the talent in Tennessee. Did he have something? Did he not think he could win with players from Tennessee? I, I don't know what the deal was because Pruitt, even by means that weren't legal, he recruited well at times at Tennessee, but it's like he ignored Keeping the players in state, it, it made no sense. You cannot win at Tennessee if you don't land the best talent in the state. You just can't. I mean, you have to. It's cliche, but you got to put the fence up around the borders and keep those guys in state. Hypool's kind of starting to do that now as Tennessee's gaining some momentum on the recruiting trail. And then to go back and get this guy, which I'm sure a lot of other programs would have loved to have had, but to bring him to Tennessee and to fill need, I mean that that's massive for Tennessee.
0: I said it even even back when he was still the coach. Pruitt didn't want to be at Tennessee. He didn't care. Uh, was always an Alabama guy. Always. I think at, at best, his goal was to be a coach and then eventually get back to Alabama. Um, th- thankfully for him, he blew all of that up completely. And now he really can't go back to college football at all. Uh, he could go back to high school football. So congrats on that whole thing. We uh, still haven't heard
1: but, what his next move is. I know they had, they had they had the coaching change with the Giants where he spent last year, but there's still an Alabama connection there since it's Brian Dable. Uh, I think him yeah. and Pruitt were at Alabama at the same time, so I don't know if they'll retain him. And, there, you know, there's a bunch of Alabama guys up there anyway. Kevin Scherer, I believe, was up there. Freddie Kitchens was up there. So maybe uh, they might keep all those kind of off-field guys there, but we haven't heard really anything out of Pruitt since the season ended.
0: Yeah, he's definitely... Lay- laying low across the board, uh, he's kind of made that his his M O since
1: everything went down with Tennessee. Can't
0: say I blame him. Um,
1: but Still he- waiting on that uh, strongly worded uh, letter or lawsuit, whatever yeah. that he was gonna he threatened Tennessee with. It was supposed to be by the end of last October, wasn't it? That they. It's, it's almost like to, he. They tried he to extort not, Tennessee basically by, by yeah, saying we are going to go scorched earth on you if you don't pay us, and Tennessee just ignored it and nothing happened. It, it's
0: it's almost like he didn't have a leg to stand on. Tennessee called his bluff. Yeah,
1: almost, you know. <laughs> wow, good call, Danny White for not not uh, yeah, calling the bluff and not giving in to his demands. Uh, yes, I, I I can respect that. Don't
0: don't negotiate with coaching terrorists. That's uh. Uh, yeah. a, a good words to live by, <laughs> as yeah. far as Danny White goes. Um, but out, outside of that, he never wanted to be at Tennessee Pruitt, and and so we've we've already talked about it kind of at length on on this show. He he really burned some bridges with recruiting in the state of Tennessee, even with coaches. You talk to some high school coaches here, and they just say that he. You know, ignored them, was a jerk, it's the blah, same,
1: blah, blah, It's the same thing as what Derek Dooley did, right? I mean, he's another yeah. Alabama guy that those same stories were coming out. I remember the stories about the Chattanooga area, how they talked about how Dooley didn't even really visit those areas at all, just was non-existent. At least with Butch Jones, he wanted to be at Tennessee, just, I mean, not because it was Tennessee, but it was a big job with lots of attention, a big salary, and he kind of embraced going after the in-state guys. I mean, he understood he at least that that you needed to do that. But, but the uh, Pruitt and Dooley, they just they didn't have any use for for players from Tennessee. It seemed like
0: they, yeah. And and it's no surprise that they were the two worst coaches of the last fifteen years. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. When when you look uh, at that, when just it's it's a type of job where you have to be completely comprehensive. There's there's nothing in being a college football coach that can be ignored really. You can't just be like, "Oh, well I'll get kids from another state and it doesn't really matter if I get these in-state guys." You you can't do that. That's not you can't just ignore parts of this job that are requirements just because you feel like you could do something else and and like that's just not that's why these guys get paid huge sums of money. It's why they never you know, see their families <laughs> like they're always working around the clock 24 seven. It is a it, it completely encompassing job. And be, because of stuff like this, you have to keep high school coaches on the line and keep good relationships with all those people and kind of be shaking hands, kissing babies like that. It's a whole it's a whole subset of of this job. And if you don't like it, get out. That's not really the anybody's problem, but yours did Pruitt and,
1: ever look happy to you when oh, no. he was there? Yeah, no. It's he's- very telling, right? Like, you can't hide that. Like, Heupel looks happy. I mean, there's times he's annoyed, of course, after a yeah. loss or a bad practice, whatever. That's that's just your person. You know, that's what you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. For the most part, you hear him talk, and the guy seems genuinely just happy. He cannot stop. every inter- I've listened to – he's done a lot of media over the past few weeks. I've listened to a ton of interviews with Josh Heupel. The one thing that he says in almost every single interview is he talks about the town of Knoxville and what an incredible place it is to live. Like that is his big talking point, point. and it's it, it's really not even a recruiting thing. It's just he just kind of brings it up out of nowhere. It, it, he just loves the city, and and that's he, you can't fake that.
0: You you can't. And he did. I I think it was in that "Bustin' with the Boys" interview that we talked about last week. Great interview. I think he did mention. I, I don't want to mischaracterize it. I, I'd have to play it to remember exactly how he said it, but he did. He, he kind of phrased it like, like he was surprised that tenant that Knoxville was like a great town to live in. Like he's, I actually, he said something like, I actually love it. Like it's a really great place to live. You could tell he was being genuine about it. And I, I know some people might get kind of offended by that, but being like, Hey, uh, why didn't you think it was going to be great to start with? But like, that's be You, you have to be completely honest. It's, it's a, A college town in East Tennessee. I think a lot of people, unless you visit here, I, you know, we, I I travel a decent amount, and you you talk to people outside of the southeast, and you say, "Oh, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee," and they go, "Oh, is that that close to Nashville?" Like that's the the entire reference point for the state of of Tennessee. If you're not like familiar with it, Uh, and and of course he he has lived in the southeast, but he's still. You know, was even even at his time in the SEC, he was at Missouri and mm-hmm. his total exposure would have been coming to games in Knoxville. He wouldn't yeah. have been coming here, hanging out, seeing what Which it's they,
1: like. They go it's, from the hotel to the field and that's pretty much it. Ex-
0: exactly. He didn't experience I don't, it. So I don't
1: think that comment was anything negative. Uh, no, it uh, wasn't. Like, I, I, well, I, I mean, I, I don't he, think he it didn't was. have a he didn't have a negative perception Ahead of time of Knoxville, I think he was just probably assuming it'd be like every other college town he's been. Exactly. In. Just like nothing special. It's just gonna be another college town, whatever.
0: I, I, I think stand, that's what he meant. I stand by this wholeheartedly. I obviously I'm I'm very biased. I'm a lifelong citizen of Knoxville, Tennessee. What can I say? Uh but I, I really do stand by this. I've been to almost every other town in the SEC. Haven't been to like Columbia, Missouri, because who cares? I might say that, and actually going to Columbia might be nice. I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm putting onto them what I don't want other people to put on Knoxville. But it's just the town that I haven't been. Haven't been to Fay- I haven't been to Fayetteville. I don't, I don't know. But I've been to most of them. Uh, and Knoxville is is different. At a, at a baseline, it's larger than most other SEC mm-hmm. towns outside of Nashville, of Vandy. But of course, is Vandy that, even yeah, that Nashville's? Team? Count It doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> Vandy is really just they're the team of that one small part of Nashville that yeah. they take up and that's about it. Um, and, and so it's, it's bigger than most other college towns It's just more kind of commerce. We sit on I-40 um, and you're, you have the Smoky Mountains, which is a big tourist destination and, and everything like that. And I think a lot of people don't, don't realize that. And I, I got from that comment exactly what you're saying. He, he didn't think that it was going to be, bad at all but he was surprised by how good it is yeah um and it's it's specifically that gratefulness that's what you see Mm Pruitt was never grateful to be at this job he didn't appreciate anything about it he he didn't say i can't believe somebody is paying my dumb ass to coach you know to to, they're giving me four million bucks to come in and coach this team there was none of that he came in and thought he was going to turn tennessee into alabama and and that was his his goal um you talked to anybody that was in the facility at that time he really did see it through that lens i'm not like projecting that he he wanted it to be sabins alabama at, mm-hmm. transplanted to tennessee and that was never going to happen and that was stupid and he was never grateful to actually be here he didn't like it he didn't want to be uh, he here. got
1: out he got out immediately he did not yeah. stick around like no. butch lived in uh butch's family lived here uh what like three four years after yeah it just recently sold the house. I mean, Danny White bought it, right? Danny White bought Butch's old house. Isn't that is that how real? That went down. I think that's real. Maybe. I'm, <laughs> am I? Am I imagining that? I I I don't
0: remember that happening. But that's a funny thing. If it did, I'm if pretty that is what
1: happened. Uh, sure.
0: But yes. I I remember his house selling. I think.
1: Um, it uh, got three point eight million. Which yes a, he bought it in um I like may maybe may of 2021 so huh. a few months after he was hired that's funny yeah
0: uh and that is let's be clear a four million dollar house in Knoxville Tennessee is a palatial estate <laughs> that is a very I remember looking through
1: the photos of it whenever it was listed for sale
0: yeah this it's not uh, we're not New York City where all that'll get you is like a thousand square feet uh that's, <laughs> yeah. you can you can get a, a farm and a huge house for that much money um but uh that's funny i didn't know that the interesting little tidbit there but uh bottom line being this is just another great sign for hypo i i'm uncomfortable with how much nice stuff i have to say about josh
1: <laughs> Me <'Cause> too. i mean <laughs> I,
0: I, seriously i'm i'm the cynic I'm the guy that's gonna come on here and nitpick the little things that I see and I go, ah, I like this guy, but XXX. You know, like like with Hypel, the thing, the thing that I nitpick is I, I like this guy a lot. His coaching style, I I love the offense, but his aggressiveness, I think it's it can win you games and it can lose you games. Like that's my that's my biggest knock on him. But like with Pruitt, you could hit this guy ten ways from Sunday with the stuff that he was doing. He just it was clear he he was flailing around, didn't really know what he was doing. We we said a lot of I remember we said a lot of well he's he's learning on the job. Mm-hmm. He's he's he'll he'll get there. He'll get. There. We're not saying that with Josh Heupel. He's going out. He's making the the in state connections with recruiting. He's repairing the mistakes that Pruitt made. He's recruiting to a, a defense that sorely needs players and he's he's recruiting what looks like you know a a former five-star great in-state player and and just really doing things that like i said i'm i'm almost uncomfortable with how much good stuff i'm saying because i kind of as always with tennessee i go like where's where's the catch what's the where's when does the other shoe drop you know and i just just good stuff keeps happening we Every time we do this show, there's a new recruit, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really been an, a good productive, clean off season. Just to really like, there hasn't been big, you know, fallout with players getting in trouble or anything. And, you know, Lord, no, knock on wood there. Uh, we, I don't want to speak that into existence, but so far I just, I just continue to have good things to say about Josh Hypel. And I, I, I love it. It's, it's great. I want this to continue. Don't, don't make me change my opinions, please, This because I, I enjoy of, saying good things.
1: Speaking of players getting in trouble, we should hit on this real quick just because it's fun. Not that I wish anything bad on anybody, but uh, Alabama just got former five-star recruit Eli Ricks, who looks to be cornerback, originally played at LSU, I think for one year maybe, and then hit the portal whenever all that went down with Ed Ogeron looked really good. I mean, looks like another first round pick for for LSU. He just got arrested over the weekend for no license, maybe speeding, marijuana possession, you know, yep. stuff. No, no, nothing major, but still, you know, you don't want to see your five-star guy that you just got from LSU get arrested in May or April. It's just not, you know, not ideal and you're right. So far Tennessee's not having to deal with that and Maybe that's you know, like we talked about last week, a lot of that's to do with the NIL stuff, and these players understand that they can cost themselves a lot of money by yeah. not staying out of trouble.
0: It it makes it a lot more immediate when you're making money right now. Like it's easy to just say, Oh, well, you're hurting your future paycheck that could come in the NFL. Yeah. Sure, but that's not r- like real and right in front of you, and it might not ever happen. But here if you're getting a twenty five thousand dollars deal to hawk, I don't know, crystals or whatever, then that's that's right now. And if you get in trouble right now, that goes away. You're done. And it really I, that's a great incentive structure. we We talked about it at the link last week. it It creates some incentives to have these guys learn fiscal responsibility and things like that and and it really is huge. i I, I think it could be. um obviously, guys, that's always going to happen. Kids, kids are going to be kids. So you, you're, we we were all college students once. You're you're young, you're dumb. It, it happens. But I I love that. I know there were so many people over the weekend talking about there was a a recruit in Miami or not a recruit, a, a player for Miami's basketball team. They just went to the Elite Eight, and a player for Miami's basketball team. He said, "I'll come back," or or I'll uh, I won't transfer. If you, if you cut me the check, give me an NIL deal and, and meet my, my threshold on an NIL deal. And it was like $600,000 or something. Um, I don't, if correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think that it was a number like that. Uh, and he said, uh, I won't transfer if you do that. And I, I'm going to transfer if you don't do that. And uh, you know, there were people that were panicking. This is, this is what the NIL, we knew this was going to happen. We told you that, 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 I'm sorry. When do, do we get indignant like this when Lincoln Riley leaves for USC for however millions of dollars? When Jimbo Fisher goes to Texas A&M for 75 million dollars to go complain
1: on on every media session he does, you know? Or, Bri- or Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame while they're still fighting for a college football exactly? Spot. Imagine- Are we getting indignant over that? Imagine if a player hit the portal right before that, like a star player. Alabama's Bryce Young hits the portal before the SEC championship game. They would people would be losing their minds over that. But Brian Kelly or another coach doing it's just fine. It's just it's just it's just business. Then,
0: I I could say this. You could, I, I think there would be validity to having conversations about putting in guardrails on the whole course, thing, yeah. and, and you know it's sort of a salary cap situation. Make it. I always say, just make college football the the semi pro professional football that it is.
1: Make just... the offseason like the NFL where they, yeah. they, they all this stuff happens between February and July. Like that's it. In, no, I, the in season stuff does get annoying. But it is I mean it is what it is. But if if Derek Henry does that in the middle of the season, you're going to be frustrated, even though it is a business. It is millions of dollars. He's an employee. He has the leverage. All this stuff. Like I understand that, but he leaves in the middle of the season. You're going to be incredibly frustrated.
0: Yeah, that's a different
1: thing. So, so I kind of understand people getting frustrated. Coaches. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to coach when a kid can just leave in September. I have no problem with. I mean, I'm for paying <laughs> paying them whatever they want and and however you got to do this and for kids to be able to transfer I've always thought that was a great idea and an important thing that they should be able to do since coaches and anybody else can can do the same thing but I agree there there needs to be some sort of guardrails as just as far as managing a roster like you got to make it to where a coach can manage a roster and kind of know what he's going to deal with week to week like that that's that's probably the only thing that I would say I mean, here's the the
0: real truth about that. Not to be this I didn't mean to go on on a rant about this, but I'm I'm trying to look. The Ed O'Bannon case, which was where Ed you know Ed O'Bannon was in the in the NCAA video game. And he saw that and he said, Hey, why am I not getting paid for this? And he brings a case against the NCAA. That was the early 2000s i think i would have to look close to 20 years ago when that happened and at that point the ncaa could have said let's just let these players get paid for being in a video game let's let them do it let's do nil that's what they could have said back then and by this point we would have had all of that worked out you would have because that's this what's going to happen there's going to be market corrections there's mm-hmm. going to have to be Whatever it it literally the the market correction might be the end of the NCAA and these leagues policing themselves. I who knows what form it's going to take. Mark Emmert is leaving the NCAA. That's going to be a big shakeup. This whole thing. Uh, Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, he's leaving. Um, and back then they could have done that twenty years ago. They could have said, "Hey, this is all the whole college college sports is so huge, makes so much money now. These players." They need, they need to be able to make money on the giant image that they they are able to have at a college level with all these fans and people that would buy their merchandise, things like that. And they didn't do it. And they fought it, and they fought it, and they fought it, and they fought it, and they fought it. And, fought it. and then finally, all of that is just, it, it all built up, and now that it is allowed, you're seeing, it's a it's a pipe that was ready to burst, and it's just exploded now that the pipe has been opened up. And it's gonna take time to work through all of this. Like I said, a market correction, and and part of that is gonna be a player coming to you and going, "Give me my money, or I'm out of here." That's gonna happen. It is. It's part of it. And you're just gonna have to go go from there. And and so we've we've said it. Another thing that I really like about Josh Heupel is that he hasn't been a guy who's going out and weeping, gnashing teeth over this type of stuff. He's gone out and been like this is the way that it is. Let's take advantage of it in the ways that we can. Let's, yeah, you know, we're... work work with control the controllables, as Butch Jones used to say.
1: <laughs> they uh, they fought against the natural evolution of NCAA and, and what it was supposed to be. They, they tried to keep it from evolving, and if they would have just let it happen naturally, you probably would have had this NIL stuff happen at a much earlier time, like you're saying, in the early 2000s and it would have preceded the transfer portal because that's it's the combination of these two things that have made it the wild west right now where you you don't really know what to expect players can hit the portal kind of at any time it can be in situations like this if they would have allowed the NIL to happen and then gradually went to this one-time transfer and all this that you would have had these other safeguards that you're talking about in place already so it would have evolved naturally and it would have been a lot smoother in the train wreck we're seeing right now not that like i said not that i'm against anything that's happening it's just it's just a chaos and unorganized and they they've got to figure out a way to make it more reasonable and a lot of stuff they have in place right now doesn't even make sense like you can transfer within the sec but only if you enter the portal before what february 1st you can transfer somewhere else as long as you do it before may 1st i mean that doesn't it doesn't add yeah. up in any who cares. What what sense does that make at all? Uh, it didn't have to be like this. That's
0: my entire point. If we, we could have already been past this, had it worked out and, and been in a better place. I did look. That case was 2010, 2011 So it's still it wasn't 20 years, but it's well, still he been played, t-
1: but he played 20 some years ago, Dan. He it? did. He did play okay.
0: that long ago. Um, and and so it, it still it was a long time ago when you could have seen this coming and they could have made these changes. Uh, and that actual case that should have been the turning point at, at a minimum should have been the turning point that was 12 years ago. So, uh, you know, it, it didn't have to be like this. It's beside the point. Right. We, we still, we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about, uh, on this episode, as much as I love, I mean, it's one of the things that I'm most passionate about as far as talking about college sports goes, if you can't tell, uh, but this is good stuff from Josh Heupel. Uh We obviously we have been a, a big fan of what he's done in this off season. Really liking it so far, and this is just another great pickup with with this defensive player from o- Ohio State at a position of need. Not exactly sure since he didn't play last year with Ohio State. You're not sure exactly where he's going to fit in at the college level. Safety, cornerback. Uh, I'm plenty of he... opportunities. Oh yeah. Oh. Yes. I mean, there is plenty. I think uh, he
1: signed uh, as a safety. I think he safety. was kind of, okay, yeah, he was kind of cornerback coming out, but people saw him as a safety. I don't know if he's a uh, six six foot 175. So depending on the speed, I guess he could play either one. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to fit him in. I mean, they've got plenty, like I said, plenty of opportunities in the secondary. You just lost two really good players through the NFL draft and Elante Taylor and, Theo Jackson so there's there's a lot of talent to replace
0: yeah and we're, we're going to talk about that that's going to be sort of our the the final topic of the show but so let's let's do move along and we'll come back around to talking about the the draft uh, and some things like that but let's mention quickly we'll we'll make it quicker than we probably were planning on but uh, Tennessee baseball had uh, another series win this weekend they didn't sweep but they had a series win over Auburn Auburn is a really tough baseball team and I was, I was pretty impressed. They they have uh, some really good hitters. And that pitcher from Sunday was really, really solid. Uh, he did a, an excellent job holding Tennessee down until just finally the dam broke. And so T- Tennessee does walk away with a nice series win over a really tough Auburn team. Uh, but there were a couple things in that series that are extremely notable. First, and the one that would be a little more quicker in terms of a conversation is Ben Joyce, who has gotten so much hype this whole season as just an absolute, you know, this guy tosses fire. He just, you know, 100 plus pitches most of the time. It's crazy. He threw the fastest recorded pitch in the history of college baseball. This team has broken so many records this season. Best start in the in SEC history. Uh, I think now the fastest college baseball team ever to to forty wins. I think don't it, that was something that they crossed this weekend because they're forty and four now, um, or one of the fastest to forty wins ever. Just all of this, you know, so many records they've broken, and now to an individual player, the fastest recorded pitch in the history of college baseball, the second fastest pitch. In professional or college baseball, Araldis Chapman still holds the 105.8 mile per hour pitch. But Ben Joyce, 105.5. And he threw, I believe, he threw three pitches over 105 in this game. Three over 105. The dude is is playing on another planet. At his best, he is unhittable. He is unhittable. And he was excellent closing out that game against uh, Auburn. Tennessee's pitching was off kind of that whole series almost. And he just came in and locked it down. Tennessee got the lead and there was no way with, with Joyce in the game that they were going to give it up. And I, it's so, so crazy. 105.5. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I-, I mean,
1: it's absolutely mind-blowing. And he's such an interesting player because, I, you know, I look, I'm a huge – baseball guy i I watch the new york mets play every single night that they're on i mean it's 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 a big part of my life and when i look when i look at ben joyce i immediately think how does he fit with an mlb team like the drafts coming up in uh, july june or july where does he fit because you don't see a lot of mlb teams just take a one inning guy you don't you don't see closers drafted it's a big investment for something that's that's not really a sure thing. Typically you see him converted from a starting pitcher to a relief pitcher. Well, Joyce, you know, he was a he was a starter at, at Walter State before he transferred to Tennessee. Then he had the Tommy John surgery, missed all of, you know, last uh, 2020 obviously everybody missed and then or most of the season they missed and then 2021 he had to sit out. So he's kind of in this role coming back because of that. Tommy John surgery and innings limits. I mean, you don't, you don't throw a guy out there full bore after they're coming back from, from a major elbow surgery that takes a year to recover from. But at the same time, you've got this talent. I mean, he's throwing 104, 105 (laughs) consistently and he's locating, like you said, when he's on, he's unhittable. I mean, that's, that's gotta be very enticing for a major league baseball team to want to take him just on potential alone is he could come in and be a lot down closer in MLB for a long time. If he can continue this, he's already had the Tommy John surgery. That's something that teams are always concerned about with these high-velocity pitchers. He's already went through that, so you're probably not going to have to worry about that again. So you got that kind of out of the way. He should be pretty quick to the majors after playing at at community college level and at Tennessee. I'm really interested to see what happens with him because he'll almost certainly – be drafted now whether oh, he decides to return or not i can't imagine he he would want to return unless just he gets passed on but that that's that's what i think about whenever i i, I watch him pitch is is where he's going to be at the next level and the great thing is is that tennessee fans even like non base like non real baseball tennessee fans casual baseball fans They're going to watch Ben Joyce because Tennessee fans follow former Tennessee players no matter what. If it's basketball, baseball, football, it doesn't matter. And this guy has become so popular, opened up the Instagram app last night. And no lie, I should have took a video of it. There was three posts in a row. Pitching Ninja, a baseball account I follow, and then the MLB on Fox Instagram account. Three posts in a row were all Ben Joyce. I mean – who would have thought that before the season started that Tennessee baseball would be getting that kind of national attention?
0: Yeah, he's an absolute phenomenon, and I I love that it's just an added narrative on top of this because if he if Tennessee was having like a more regular season, kind of like they had last year, they had a good season, but they you know they lost a couple series and it was an up and down year. Um, like this would be a phenomenal story. Just in a year like that, mm-hmm. they would have been like Tennessee has this really fun closer that or reliever. Like, look at look at what he does. But the fact that this is just piled on top of this team that's just breaking all these records and you know is doing all this crazy stuff, and he doesn't play that much yeah. as relative to this team. He only he came in in this spot. I don't. Did he play in in the games of prior two nights. I don't think he did. And he he's they've gone series without putting him in the game. They've they've swept SEC teams without employing Ben Joyce. <laughs> like, it's it, absolutely absurd the wealth that Tennessee has right now on the baseball field. Just, I mean, it is 10 layers deep of just hitters and these great pitchers. And the the defense is getting better. Thankfully, they, they were having some problems earlier in the season of just like some some defensive mistakes that has been improving week over week like they just really are it's i mean joyce is just a situation of just like the rich getting richer tennessee would have been mm-hmm. excellent without him and he just makes them that much better it's it's totally crazy um but the uh, beyond that even you had yet another tony Vitello incident in this series auburn Cracks a home run that gives them the lead in game two, I believe, uh, of the series, which Auburn actually won. Um, they they take the lead, and this dude does like a bat flip to the moon. Uh, just, you know, hits this home run, and he flips the bat. And the, the bat, it is, hey, you hit the home run, and you took the lead. Bat flip right in our face. Tennessee would do it to you. <laughs> you know, give it right back to us in kind. That's not the problem. But the the bat flip goes all the way towards, I think unintentionally, but goes towards Tennessee's dugout straight to Tony Vitello. And it, I mean, you could say it like almost hits Tony Vitello. Again, it was unintentional. The guy is just, you know, doing a, a flashy bat flip. And it goes towards Tony Vitello. Tony Vitello then takes the bat and kind of in anger, just pissed. His team just got Rocked by by home run, you know. He takes the bat and he throws it back at the Auburn dugout. I tried to find on Twitter a video of it and I was having a really hard time.
1: Yeah, there's there there are there the only video I've or only really good video I've seen of it, I think, is uh it's like a real, it's like a press box video from from way up above, so you can kind of see the whole field. And I think Vitello was standing at the top step of the dugout kind of watching everything as soon as the bat, I mean, he doesn't even hesitate. It's not like he even processed what happened. He immediately went straight to that bat and just kind of slung it back towards the Auburn bench, which I mean, I had no real issue with, I saw a lot of tapes on Twitter. I'm sure you did as well, where there was a lot of people like, well, if you're going to play that way, you got to, you got to, you know, if you're going to give it, you got to take it and all this. And, and I don't, I mean, I agree You you, you do. I mean, if, Team gives it kind of right back to you. that that's what you, yeah, you got to take part it. of it. But I also, don't have zero. I have zero issue with Vitello just kind of tossing the bat back. I mean, that's just passionate. It's just passion. Like that's all it that is, that, and that's it's all that's going on in that whole exchange from both sides. So I had zero issue with the Auburn player doing it. I'm not a fan of the huge bat flips, like the really just throwing it up in the air. Like I don't know. It's just it I like is- a good bat flip. But the I like it only, just more controlled.
0: The only issue I had with it is that it didn't win them the game. If it was yeah. a walk off and you do that, you know, you just like do it. yeah, like like uh, Evan Russell last year, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, had a yeah. grand slam to win a an NCA tournament game.
1: You can do whatever you, 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 want, you that, want, then yeah, yeah.
0: Throw throw that bat into the sun, like I, you know, yeah. I don't care what you do. Uh, but they just took the lead. Like it was a great moment. He, and it was a clutch moment. The kid, the kid, it was a great hit. Okay. I mean, credit to him. And it won Auburn the game. That's the only problem I could have with it where you would kind of go like, okay, calm down, buddy. (laughs) You didn't, you didn't win the game yet. They still had a couple of innings to go. I think it was the eighth. Uh, and but other than that, yeah, I mean, Tennessee just gives it out like that. You if you're gonna be a team of swagger, you can't be mad when, when teams have swagger also. Like that just isn't. And I don't think I don't think that's what Vitello was doing. He wasn't going like, you shouldn't have thrown this bat up in the air. I think he was just going like damn it. And, you know, kind of throwing throwing the bat back in a in a moment of like we had the lead. Tennessee was up at that point. They were up five four. And then that I believe that put Auburn up. Seven, four. I, I don't totally remember the exact situation, but um, you know, I think he was just mad and it was just going ah, frick and he throws the bat. Yeah, and you know, it, it was a bunch of what I really saw, it was just a bunch of opposing SEC fans that that wanted something on Tony Vitello. They all did. I mean it, yeah, the Vandy no fans, of course. They want they want Vitello to get in trouble, they want Tennessee to get in trouble, they want Tennessee to get hit with whatever. So many people were suspended. He's got to be, this is out of line. This cleared the benches, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, shut up.
1: Dude, nah, it's good. Is... I mean, that's what you want to watch. You, you, you it's watch entertaining. Ba- yeah. Yes. That's the great thing about college baseball. We've talked so much about it, about how entertaining it is, how much emotion there is. You you don't want to watch them just not care that Auburn's taking the lead. You don't want to see Auburn not care that they're, they're, you know, got a chance to beat Tennessee on Saturday and then maybe take a series from Tennessee on Sunday. I mean, Use people, you know, use this, throw this term around, but Tennessee is the Super Bowl for a lot of other teams <laughs> this season, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody <laughs> wants to be the team that that beat that wins a series against them. Exactly so everybody's gearing up to play Tennessee big time right now, and they're expecting confrontation. They're expecting some shenanigans from Tennessee's dugout. So uh yeah, you gotta there's just gonna be more of this as as we proceed towards the end of the season here.
0: Exactly. It's just going to get worse throughout the, the season. And, and unless you're just beating a team down, I think Tennessee should expect that right mm-hmm. back. You know, it's it's not like Auburn had anything to say when they were down 17 to four on Friday night. You just...
1: It's, it's hilarious is that the Auburn fans, I know you saw it on Twitter, where they're kind of like celebrating that they weren't swept by <laughs> Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I did. I saw you put. You posted somebody. Yeah. You posted an Auburn fan that that said Tennessee baseball has never swept Auburn, and as as if this was some sort of great accomplishment. It was like you you yeah. lost. <laughs> yeah, you've also. You, lost you didn't series. really. You didn't win the series. You lost the series. <laughs> but but there. I mean, they, it's all a credit to how good Tennessee is this year. Seen, they, they've swept more than they've just won series. They've. Oh yeah. I mean, it, well, that's when only they lose two a game.
1: it's shocking when they do lose a game. So yeah, I, yeah, maybe you should celebrate it. I don't know. I mean, it,
0: it's I, they have two losses in the SEC this entire season. So. There was an
1: Auburn reporter too that was talking about how classless Tony Vitello was. It was a rivals a rivals Auburn reporter. It wasn't even like from the from the stool or anything. You know, you're supposed to be you no know, in the age of Twitter. Pure reporters aren't quite as objective as they used to be uh, in professional sports you see more objectivity but in college sports I, we've both seen it some of these reporters in the press box and Auburn is by far the worst that I've ever experienced I don't know about you but I remember being at the Tennessee Auburn game I think it was here's when Nick Marshall was the quarterback at Auburn during the Butch Jones years And, uh, I mean, Auburn won that game against Tennessee. It was in Neyland. They won by 30-some points or something. I was was there. It was a blowout. Okay. Uh, All I recall from that game, besides Nick Marshall doing whatever he wanted to with the football, was the Auburn media was the loudest I've ever heard in that press box. And they were clapping. There was some cheering. Really? Yes. Which, you know, like that's That's taboo. That's against the rules. Yeah, you You don't don't do that. It was the most uncomfortable that I've ever been in a press box besides the time I sat behind Dan Walken which that would make anybody uncomfortable (laughs) that's beside the point I mean so I wasn't a surprise to kind of see that from from him but that still that just shows you like you know, an Auburn reporter that's losing his mind over Tony Vitello the Tennessee baseball coach like Tennessee fans embrace this embrace it these I love the, the good times of Tennessee baseball that fifteen years from now we're still going to be talking about. So just yeah. soak it all in.
0: These this is a like well and frankly as far as a regular season goes, it almost literally can't get better than this. I you know, could yeah you could be
1: forty four and O. <laughs> That's the only way it could get better. Instead, all, I you're bet Tony 40 Vitello, and I bet Tony Vitello is almost glad they're not. 44 0 because of the immense pressure. Yeah. that Would be on the team right now.
0: I, it's, it has almost got to be a relief in some sense to have a whole series with a team where Tennessee actually got pushed. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, and for sure. You, like even, even in that first that. game, you, you were down, you were down 4 2 until the sixth inning, seventh inning. You were down 4 2. You were losing in that game. And then Tennessee, blasted them in the Latin to end that game. And then you get pushed pretty hard in those final two games and then just squeak out the series. win. I think he has to be relieved to be like, look, we are mortal. This isn't some otherworldly team that is going to beat everybody by 10 runs and, and like run away with a college world series. This isn't going to be easy. I, I would be embracing that if I was him and kind of being like, mm-hmm. look guys, I know we're good, but like, Let's the, he, t- take a breath and say, like, this isn't just going to be a cakewalk to a national championship, even though we're clearly the best team in college baseball right now.
1: I think Tony Vitello is one of the most self-aware coaches I think I've ever uh, yeah, really seen in college sports he, in, in general. I mean, he, he's self-deprecating at times when it's appropriate. He, he has a good sense of humor. You have to be that way to coach a baseball team. There's so many ups and downs over the course of the season. There's so many different personalities that you have to manage in a clubhouse. Uh, he's he's really like the perfect, like, if you were on a video game and had to create your own manager, it would be Tony Vitello. Like, he's exactly what you want in a baseball manager. He's quirky, but he's intense. He has a sense of humor. He, he strategizes. He's smart. I mean, it, it's it's the perfect coach for Tennessee so yeah I think I think he he understands the positives that come out of that I also think it's good that they lost on Saturday kind of the way they lost where kind of Auburn got to put it put it back in Tennessee's face a little bit and then came back on Sunday to win the series like that kind of shows you how Tennessee would respond to adversity
0: yeah and and that's all, all the way around I liked having this series even though obviously it's uncomfortable compared to some of the other ones we've had I like having that actual pressure situation. This team needs that. You need pressure situations where you actually come through uh, to learn, to learn how you're going to do that. Because mm-hmm. that's, Lord knows, when the College World Series rolls around, if, if Tennessee can that's make it that far, games. they're really going to be games. really tough. Yeah, you might be the best team in that College World Series. It's not going to be some kickball. The best team in the College World Series didn't win the College World Series last year. Mississippi State was not the best team in that in that set of, of uh, squads. So, I, I still, I am just, I'm loving so much everything with this Tennessee baseball team. It's, it's appointment television. It's amazing stuff. Don't, don't let it pass you by if you're not watching every game, um, that they, that they play. So with that said, um, we're, we're coming up on, on an hour here already. We'll just, we'll go a little long. Um, we, we have been, I mean, we went what like an hour 25 last week. So at this point, whatever. so, the NFL draft happens last week. Uh, last week. It was over the weekend. And Tennessee, I believe, had the most NFL draft picks since for, for the school since 2012. Am I correct in that? Or did hmm. it match previous years? Because I know Butch, Butch had a couple of years with a nice amount of... Picks, but I want to say I saw that
1: but it was five say like the 2016 year had a decent amount with like Dobbs and Sutton yeah maybe or no 2017 draft I mean uh I'd have was, to go back and look ex- Ed Barnett because exactly. Barnett that was the Barnett year Dobbs said so if he was drafted Jalen Reeves Mabin, I think was drafted that year
0: I mean five five is
1: a, five is a good yeah. number oh yeah I mean that's um, yeah and we were only expecting four like when I yeah I did like the uh, you know predictions, and I looked to see if I got any of those right. But I only had four. I had Theo Jackson going undrafted. I think most people thought he was going go undrafted.
0: Yeah, he actually he actually goes to my my beloved uh, Tennessee Titans, wearing my Titans shirt right now. Um, and and so five five players taken. What whatever it was relative to Tennessee's history in in the draft, it's better than anything Pruitt did. It's close, if not better, than most of what Butch did, and it's um. Uh, Dooley at, at the end of his time there crazily actually had a, a really nice set of talent he just was a god-awful coach uh, but five players taken it was uh, what, uh, what did we say there it, the, in in this order Elante Taylor, uh, Valus Jones, Matthew Butler, Cade Mays and then Theo Jackson were the five taken Alante Taylor second round, Valus third, Matthew Butler I think Fifth it was Maze of fifth, too. He was sixth. Sixth. And then Theo uh, was picked 204. He was the last guy to get taken. And this is yet another thing <laughs> with Hypel that I just I got to give him kudos on he just keeps stacking up good stuff this off season. And, and you don't, you know, you don't win any games in the off season, but if you're going to do it, do it the way that Hypel has done, done this off season. The, the recruiting has been so impressive so far. The, the fact that you haven't had guys get in trouble, like we've already, we said earlier in the show, all of those things like that. And then you have this, which when you really look at the fine points of recruiting and what really gets to guys, and, and in the age of NIL, this might not be as powerful, but before the new NIL rules where, you know, so much of the selling point was, we're going to get you to the pros. We're going to get you to the pros. We're going to get you, you know, you play in the NFL, you get a big contract if you come here. And it was such a huge thing to be able to say, hey, look at all of these draft picks we had. And to get Tennessee back in that pantheon of getting guys taken in the draft is massive. And on a, on a team that had a year that was kind of better than it was supposed to be, and you're already picking up and recruiting, this is just another great talking point where Hypo can go into somebody's house, and specifically, you can go, not only did these offensive players get get taken in the draft. Obviously, Bayless Jones, I think he's a very impressive, who, uh, who, who picked Velas up the Schreiber bears. bears I, yeah. I think that he's going to be an incredible value for them. Um, you can say, yeah, we got, we got the offensive players. Do you know that I'm an offensive guy? We can get those guys drafted, but we even got defensive players taken in the draft with Alante Taylor. And I, this is what, what can you say? This is extremely valuable on, on the recruiting trail and to getting Tennessee back to that point where you want it to be, where it's that historical, powerful brand. One of the huge pieces of that is getting guys back into the pros. So congratulations to everybody there getting, having a draft class that was even better than what we thought it was going to be. Like you said, everybody sort of assumed it was only going to be four guys and then it it becomes five. It's great. I was impressed.
1: Yeah. I I think the best thing, the best takeaway I had from it was or, or the best news I thought that came out of it was Valus getting drafted in the third round. Before last year, Velas was an undrafted free agent at best, just because of his speed and maybe special teams contribution. Like he wasn't going to be drafted. Um, and he I mean he goes him he plays he didn't have to return to Tennessee for his final year of eligibility. He was like a, it was his sixth year in college, I think, after his time at USC, and he had the extra COVID year. Plus, he had redshirted. I mean, he's gonna be twenty five. Uh, later this year so valus is he he didn't it was time for him to go but he decided to stick around to try to raise it, his draft stock and he did i mean well just played. just a
0: quick point it it was kind of funny somebody actually mentioned he's older than aj brown <laughs> who that's insane who just you know signed this massive contract Ugh, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the show i got i got opinions um oh, yeah. But, but yeah the he's, fact
1: that, yeah hype hypo josh hypo yes. is the reason that valus was a third round pick exactly yeah, I mean, obviously, Velus put in the work and all that, but he he plays under Jeremy Pruitt for another year. I mean, he's not even doing nothing's going to be any different than the year before when he had two hundred and some receiving yards because Tennessee's offense was terrible under Jeremy Pruitt. Josh Heupel comes in, turns this thing completely around. If he would have had Velus for two years, and Velus isn't tw- almost twenty five, which is a reason I think he fell because you're not going to make a first or second round investment typically on a. On a guy that old, because you you want to get him young and on those rookie deals and and all of that, um, I, he he could have been a first round pick uh, under Hyple if he would if Heupel would have had him for a couple of years early on in his career, he's definitely a higher draft pick than what we saw. But Hyple got him from what I think was the undrafted range to the third round. That's if you're a recruit, like how do you not notice that and say, especially if you're a wide receiver. How do you not say, man, I want to go play for that guy because he's going to get me to the NFL. He got this guy that wasn't even on the draft radar drafted in the third round. That could be me. And uh, uh, Javante Payton signed a deal, uh, undrafted free agent deal with the Cardinals as well. So that's another wide receiver that really, I I didn't even, he played at Mississippi State. I didn't even know who the guy was before he transferred to Tennessee. I mean, he wasn't a household name by any means. And he had a decent year at Tennessee he was playing behind Valus and and Tillman who were a big part of the offense but he was incredibly efficient with his opportunities he averaged something crazy like 22 yards a reception which was would have led the SEC i believe if he had enough receptions to be eligible for that for that stat the
0: the thing that i just continued to be impressed with that i didn't think I would be with Hypel. I mean, this was... We had whole conversations about this before he showed up. Was how... How legitimate is this as a system that he runs? Is it just a gimmick? And, and I think, sure. You, you could certainly call it that. Almost any way you slice it, it is different than anything almost anybody else does. And it is it is contingent on running this crazy style of offense and being super aggressive and bloody blah blah, 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 We've had those conversations, but we had talked about before he got here, like the big knock on him, even from former players that he had was sort of like, it didn't really prepare me for the NFL and proof's in the pudding. I'm sorry. Did it not? Maybe you just weren't that good. <laughs> you know,
1: like yeah, maybe Drew Locke isn't a great quarterback. Maybe,
0: although I, mean, I he was pretty good in college.
1: But well, I uh, mean, as far as for the NFL, although I think Pete Carroll's going to give him a shot unless they trade for Baker Mayfield out there. But yeah, it's interesting move uh,
0: as far as that goes. But uh, you know, it it was just such a big thing because you had former players saying that about his system. And what more proof do you need other than he's sending kids to the league? And he has a guy at quarterback who's getting Heisman hype. And all of these things in one year that you can just look at and go, "This look, it could all fall apart, certainly. You you never know. It's Tennessee. And we're
1: we're always prepared for it to happen. Exactly.
0: It's Tennessee. Let's never keep that out of our mind. But, I mean, this dude continues to do things where he goes like, no, we're the real deal. We're going to go out and we're going to cut big NIL deals with these guys. alleged NIL deals, alleged NIL deals for kids. And we're going to make a big splash in the recruiting trail. And then we're going to send kids to the league. And then we're going to win more games than you thought I was going to win. And then we're going to do this and this and this. And it's it just add this to the list of the stuff that makes me impressed with what Hypel has done uh, so far. And, and he's I guess it's is this what a competent f- football coach does? is this how this goes? If you're actually like (laughs) decent at your job, this, how are, are we, this is a question I think at this point, are we so impressed by this because it is truly, really impressive? Or are we impressed by this because Tennessee has been so bad for so long? I, I do have that thought in my mind. I think it is actually impressive personally, but I do think there is an element of, we are so relieved that the guy is not an incompetent idiot. Like, I, I sort of both. It, I think it really can be both, but I I don't know if you have thoughts on that.
1: I think it's both, definitely both, because I think the situation he took over was pretty disastrous, and he should not be having the success that he's having right now. I think if Josh Heupel would have went five and seven last season, we we would have all been disappointed because I mean I was disappointed when Butch went five and seven in twenty thirteen, even though I saw some progress and. And thought better things were on the horizon. I felt the same in in uh 2018 when Tennessee went five and seven in Jeremy Pruitt's first year. They left some games on the table. But you understand that like y- you've got to you've got to build the program, you've got to put your spin on it, you gotta change the culture, all these things that take time. And Heupel's managed to do that, just like flipped a switch and went seven and six. Could have easily been nine and four if the Ole Miss game goes the way that the referees did not think it should go and if uh Hendon Hooker starts against Pittsburgh you know they're a non-win team they were very very close to that so I think it's it's very impressive but then I think like you said it just kind of we're so used to seeing the incompetence and just things go as badly as possible and we're used to having to convince ourselves that things are going to get better we had to convince ourselves after butch jones lost to vanderbilt in 2013 that he was still on the right path we had to convince ourselves after uh the georgia state and byu losses in 2019 that jeremy it was just a bloop on the radar and say hey you know Nick saban lost to louisiana monroe and we <laughs> tried to do all these things to rationalize those losses and we haven't had to do that and it's not natural for us over the last 12 years to have to, to do this. It's really the first time since Lane Kiffin in 2009 where they almost beat Alabama. They lost the bowl game kind of in a disappointing fashion the same way, but you come out seven and six better than the year before. Look like things moving in the right direction. So it, yeah, it's when it's the first time in 13 years that we felt this way, I guess it is a, it does kind of put it in a different light.
0: You do, you do still have to end every single one of these conversations. Like this, though. It all comes down to the wins on the football field. We can be as happy as we want to about all this stuff happening in the offseason. And it is great. And I love being able to talk about this every single week because it's so refreshing. After having done this for the last, I mean, this is year seven, if I'm doing my math correctly, that I've been doing this for uh, Tennessee sports. And obviously been a a Tennessee fan my entire life, but in terms of covering it and talking about it on, on shows after doing it through all of this muck in the mire, it is so refreshing to be able to talk about the things that we are talking about, getting five-star recruits, sending guys to the league, being impressed with how a coach actually is carrying themselves and things that they do. That is so nice. We still got to win on a football field. There are, there are nine wins uh, on the schedule, nine really solid wins. Really, I think there there's ten wins on this upcoming schedule, but one of those, I mean, at that point you you're talking only losing to Georgia and Alabama, and
1: but who's who's the crux? LSU LSU?
0: Yeah, LSU LSU. So and, and it's, I it's, it's in, in Baton
1: Rouge. Yeah,
0: it's in Death Valley. So you're talking about at, at ten
1: wins, you're winning in Death Valley. So which that LSU team? They're not gonna be good. Uh, I don't know what to think about them. They they have talent. Like they recruited well, really well under Ed Ogeron. Now they've lost some players, but they've got some good quarterbacks. They've got some talented receivers that they might have the best wide receiver in the country and Kayshawn Boutte, who was incredible at times. But at the same time, you know, they, they were a disaster at times last season and Brian Kelly is he a good fit down there? Can he win yeah. at LSU? I mean, it, he's a he's a strange guy. Anyway, there's so many parallels between him and Butch Jones. It's not funny. I, I just don't think he's going to work out long term down there. But I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to expect.
0: Yeah, I don't look at Brian Kelly and go like, for sure, he's turning this boat around. He's not definitely. Um, I, I I think it's it's up in the air. He definitely could. Yeah, I mean, he um, but,
1: had success at Notre Dame when more had, than any other coach had in recent years there. But he's but also I, such a prickly. He also was like almost fired at Notre Dame that one year yeah. they went four and eight, too. So let's not forget I, that. Always when discussing Notre Dame, you have
0: to like handicap it. You have to go like,
1: yeah, they're scheduled. but it's Notre Dame. Yeah.
0: Let's look at who that, you know, they play. They need to the hand pitch their
1: schedule.
0: Yeah, they play USC and Stanford every year, and BYU every year. Like, th- and then and then they play like a pseudo ACC schedule, and they sort of get to choose who they play. Like, yeah, the well, whole thing is strange.
1: Yeah, and and so play your best the, wins against Syracuse. It's not that impressive.
0: Yeah, the jury's out on exactly how that'll go. Very much, and so uh, yeah, it's a winnable game.
1: Winnable yes, game. De-
0: Death Valley is not what it used to be. That is also absolutely true. And so we'll, we'll just have to see, but nine wins is there. Nine Mm -hmm. wins is there. There, There's no, you'll, you're going to be better than that. You're you're going to be better than that Pittsburgh team. It's at Pittsburgh, but you're, you're going to be better than them. Florida. You're playing at home. Mm. Uh, You know, there's, it's just there. And it's as much as I have loved this off season, it's all about those wins on the football field. You have to, you have to end these conversations that way. Uh, and it makes me nervous cause I go, uh, it's going, it's going really well, but what if we get into the season and then it, you know, the things, things take a turn when it actually, when the rubber meets the road, we shall see. Um, but with, with all of that, let's end with this Zach. Um, so the Tennessee Titans, as I mentioned, I'm wearing my Titan shirt, big Titans fan. Uh, I'll. I I do have to preface this. If you if you are a Tennessee fan and not a Titans fan, we are going to end with actual Titans talk because this is A to Z is a Nashville based outlet. We do a ton of Titans coverage. It's really the bread and butter of A to Z, frankly. They do such a good job with their Titans coverage. All all the boys over there in Nashville. Um, so we're gonna end talking about the Titans draft because it was we wouldn't have if it was just a regular draft. (laughs) But things went off the rails. And I, I just want to cover it here because it's, look, it's my show. If you don't like it, turn it off at this point. But if you do want to hear about the Titans, I, I'm interested to see what you think. Because obviously, I will give you the Tennessee Titans fan version. And I also know that I'm on the extremely pessimistic, cynical side of fandom as far as t- Titans fans go. I, I know there, there are a lot of people, when I do... I've done Titan specific coverage for a to Z in the past. And I have people that go like, get this guy out of here. He's too negative. So there is that, um, this draft with AJ Brown getting shipped out. And they basically had to, because he was refusing any deal. The Titans were putting up. So they had to do something. They were either going to have to essentially fight with him to get him to play this season uh, during his final contract year or ship him out they just went get you know we're done and and sent him out to philadelphia it was an insane move and there's a lot of titans media that are really trying to spin this They're just like this could actually be a master stroke by john robinson and he he went out and he got aj brown 2.0 which first of all give me a break Okay, A.J. Brown 2.0. A.J. Brown was a revelation. He's the first great receiver we've had since Derek Mason. I mean, way back. And they've tried a thousand times to get a receiver that's a franchise receiver. And they whiff and they whiff and and finally they landed on A.J. Brown and he was great. Like, it was not some, oh yeah, A.J.'s going to be great. And then he was. It wasn't that simple. You know, they tried to get guys like him before and failed. So we'll see about Burks. But you just, the thing that bothered me about it is that the team got worse. That's what I don't like. And it was really an admission from John Robinson when he whiffed on, I don't know if he whiffed, you don't know totally what happened, but he he didn't get a quarterback to replace Ryan Tannehill. They, they didn't try to work some, you know, blockbuster deal for Aaron Rodgers or Russ Wilson or anything like that. They didn't do any of that. Just passed on all of that and they said Tannehill's still our guy, which was sort of an admission of we're not really going to try that hard to finish off this Super Bowl window we potentially have. Then they ship out AJ Brown in his con before his contract year. And To me, it's an admission of Robinson going, I tried really hard to build this immediate winner for the Super Bowl window that we have with Derrick Henry, and I failed. That's what I think it was. I think it was him admitting, I couldn't, I just couldn't put the pieces together. I just couldn't get the puzzle pieces to fit. You know, we had a great team last year that was the top team in the AFC, and we blew it. And the year before that, we blew it. And we made it to the AFC championship game, and we didn't win there. But we got, you know, we we hit the buzzsaw against Kansas City. And I think it was John Robinson saying, we're going to kind of have to, this isn't the Super Bowl team that we were kind of planning on it being. I And, and I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I, I think, and it's more than it making me like white hot mad. I was mad that first night. But after I saw how they drafted the rest of the time, picking up a quarterback and all that stuff, I went, this is Robinson kind of showing that there really isn't a Super Bowl window, that he doesn't think that that's really what this is. This is not a we're going to add Matthew Stafford and make a run for it like the Rams did. This is a we're still building kind of a thing. And it makes me sad because last year's team was a quarterback away. You have a better quarterback that's a Super Bowl team. And that is disappointing. I that's I haven't articulated this is the first time I've really articulated my thoughts about it even. I didn't even really do it on Twitter, but that's that's really I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I <laughs> would put it that way, maybe. And and you know, hey, the, the sunshine pumping media media folks that are really trying to spin it like this is a great thing. I hope it is. I hope it is. I don't think it
1: is though. I don't see how it's a great thing. I mean, I, I guess I can understand them kind of drawing their line and sticking to it like that's fine a lot of teams do that Kansas City did it with Tyree Teal, sent him to the Miami Dolphins but they have Patrick Mahomes so that's a little different situation yeah. you can you can find a guy that can work I was I was very shocked by the trade because all we'd heard for the last two weeks from or three weeks however long it's been was that you know Mike Vrabel and John Robinson talking about how they weren't it wasn't even an option to trading and Obviously, I've written about AJ Brown possibly possibly being traded a lot over the last month. Most comments are okay. This is manufactured. This is just the media sensationalizing some things. And I don't. I mean, I get that to an extent. You know, it's kind of a little bit of what just what happens when you're talking about these scenarios. But after seeing Devonte Adams traded from Green Bay, considering how close he was with Aaron Rodgers. And then all the Aaron Rodgers drama into that, like that was shocking. And then seeing Tyreek Hill traded to the Dolphins from Kansas city, when they were openly talking about extending him, that's the only reason they didn't re-sign Tyron Matthew was because they needed money to extend Tyreek Hill and extend their left tackle Orlando Brown that they had just traded for. So they were absolutely planning on re-signing him, extending him. And then he decided that he wanted more money, wanted to go to Miami, you know, so that's twice two superstar receivers. It wasn't going to shock me anything that happened with AJ Brown just because of those two situations. Like this is this is just the wide receiver world we're living in this offseason. It's probably going to happen with Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf as well, the longer those situations drag on. What I don't understand is he had one year remaining on his rookie deal. Now I understand he has a little bit of leverage. He can threaten to sit out but he's on his rookie deal. He was a second round pick. He's not making him. Mean, he's making a ton of money compared to, you know, what we're making. But as far as NFL players, he couldn't afford to sit out this season between the fines and everything that would rack up. It's just not, it's not feasible. So you get through this rough off season. Maybe he holds out in the training camp. I don't know. We've seen it tons of times with players. They eventually report you get through, you try to continue on your super bowl path this season you franchise tag him after the year and then you trade him. i mean that's what green bay kind of did with davante adams they tagged him traded him if aj brown's as good as we all think he is i mean he was just gonna you're just gonna get a bigger return for him uh because it's the same situation the new team can work out a new deal with him they don't have to pay him the franchise tag they can set up their salary cap hit however they like that's what i didn't understand i i it didn't have to be done this way
0: yeah that i mean that's that's exactly it i think this was a panic move i i really th- yeah think it was i cuz they and i also think it was it was almost a panic move in that according to reports the new york jets were like willing to sell their soul for aj brown and they and the titans passed and i i don't know if robinson went like like crap i should have done that and then you know, he he was just like, well, I'll take what what I can get and just get this off my plate, or what whatever it was, I I I don't know, but I agree with you. I don't Burks, know why they
1: burst. They... isn't the guy to do this for. That's my biggest thing. Is well, if you you you've just... got a, a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or one of those other top wide receivers, if you were going to replace him. Ah, uh, with one of those guys, I, 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 it makes a little more sense. But Burks is really raw. I mean, he, yeah, he's gonna have to learn how to run a route really quick. I feel like uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We've seen tons of bust uh, and tons of players that I think will be bust end up being good. But I did a real Cordero Patterson vibe from him, where he's really athletic. He's really good with the ball in his hands. And maybe that works in college. It worked at Tennessee for Patterson, and then he got to the NFL, and it took almost a decade for the Atlanta Falcons to figure out how to properly use the guy because he couldn't—he can't run routes. And that's been the big knock on Burt. So you're, you're taking a real gamble that this guy's upside is going to pan out. And you're gambling on it to happen this year because all they have, aside from him is Robert Woods, I mean, that, they have very little depth at wide receiver right now. And then they took Kyle Phillips later on in the draft. It's, it's a lot of gambling going on by j Rob. They, they got
0: painted into a corner because what? Everything is would it could have shut up at this point with the Titans. They should have let Tannehill go and they should have taken Tom Brady. That's and you wouldn't be in the situation because you would have Brady would have been gone by now or whatever Brady would have chosen, you probably, if you didn't win a Super Bowl, you would have had a couple of really good years with him. And then you wouldn't be in this position saddled with this massive contract. You could have gone and really been a true competitor for Rodgers or, or Wilson and you know tried to reset that way. And then you would have had way more money because you, the 2019 draft class was actually excellent. Is this really the, that was the masterpiece Mm -hmm. for, for Robinson, but you're having to pay a bunch of guys all at once. Simmons contract is coming up and he's really, you know, he's probably the, the best interior defensive lineman in the league within the next couple of years, if not already. And like, you just have some considerations like that and i don't know if they're just thinking this is going to be the year where we lean on our defense which is what they did a ton last year too and that's what they're thinking and we'll just gut out the offense or whatever it might be i don't know but it to me it was an admission by robinson of just going this isn't this isn't the we're going to capitalize on a super bowl window anymore this is that's over this is we actually have to build around a good core that might be good enough to reach you know a, a core that's probably a playoff team but that's really it we're not going to do a full teardown rebuild but we're going to try to keep the the core of it together but he he's kind of trying to like have his cake and eat it too and it just to me the so david poyle with the predators has done this since they reached the cup uh, a few years ago in 2017, he's really tried to do that where he kept this core around, but then shifted pieces around them and blah, blah, blah. And all it really got you is just mediocre years. It just got you kind of middle of the road. You certainly weren't bad. They've never been bad. They've, they haven't missed the playoffs in eight years or something. Um,
1: but yes, like the, this, this
0: season, they, they were the last, the last team in the Western conference to make the playoffs this season. So, or, or they're, they're the, they're the last
1: seed in, in the playoffs. So, you know, Yeah I don't know how you look at this team and think that it got better. No. It It didn't get markedly worse. No, it's not much worse. I mean, I don't luckily AJ Brown, I mean, that's it's a big part of their offense, and especially was last year because of the deal with Derrick Henry.
0: He was the piece that Tannehill leaned on. Tannehill leaned on AJ Brown.
1: Big and Tannehill was generally better when he was on the field, even if he wasn't throwing to him. The offense was more efficient whenever he was on the field. I think Tannehill's passer rating was higher just with him on the field. But you can't – like, yeah, you're kind of alluding to it there. The Rams went for it. I mean, they went bold. And a lot of people kind of questioned it at the time. I mean, I, I didn't really know how I felt about it. I didn't think that it was probably the best move at the time because. Stafford, I don't know, maybe I was kind of blinded by Stafford's years in Detroit. But I mean they, they saw what they needed to they felt like they needed to upgrade at quarterback and they did. And they're Super Bowl champions now because of it. Yep. I mean that simple. The Titans, it was they were in a tough spot with the huge cap hit with Tannehill. I mean, the dead cap hit was massive, but they could have they could have waited till after June first and kind of spread it out over a couple of years and you can usually make the numbers work. You might end up in cap hill for a couple of years. We've seen it with some teams from time to time. But it would have been worth it for the one season when you go for it and hopefully it pays off.
0: I said it to, to any of those the people that are like, You don't don't mortgage the future for the Super Bowl. Why? I I said it. Oh, I'm I'm bad the next year after I won a Super Bowl. Well, I'll wipe my tears with a Super Bowl trophy. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, and so now I think I, this is almost worse than like you said, like Cap hit hell. This is just perpetual mediocrity, <laughs> perpetual. Just like, yeah, you're good, but you're just not, you're not good enough. It's yeah. not going to win you a Super Bowl. You don't have the the stars to take you over the top. And uh, I, like
1: it also I said, blew up. It also blew up everything that John Robinson has kind of like tried to sell to the media and to fans of we take care of our own players and this and that well it's become very public that they weren't willing to pay aj brown like they weren't willing to even get close and another team was i don't know if the reports are true where aj kind of said that they started at 16 million with some incentives i don't know that is a lowball offer but that's kind of where you start and then you kind of go from there. I mean, the Titans, they were going to they had to know when they were preaching that they were going to keep him. They knew where the market was. They knew what it was going to cost to keep him. So they were either lying to fans and to reporters or they totally misread the situation. Either scenario is a bad look. I think it's that
0: second one. I I think they they got had by AJ's agent to a certain extent where i i think underhandedly
1: but smartly, smartly yeah good for him he found he, his value and got it exactly he i don't know if he
0: went when they they put up that reported 16 million dollar offer he went screw you and then cut off if if that if that agent just the sort of the rumors around the whole thing was that the agent shut it down, and he kind of he has an agent who's like notoriously plays hardball, and and just went, don't even talk to him, don't say that you just insulted me with that offer, and I'm not going to speak to you, until you come correct, you know something like that, and and I think the Titans got, like Robinson got got, that's what I think I you know he just yeah he's not he's not infallible. He's not a, he's whiffed on so many draft picks at this point. A lot of first rounders. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and so, you know, you, you look at the entire thing and it is, it's just disappointing because I've, I appreciate the rebuild of everything and how the Titans are now perpetually like a pretty good team, but you were right there. And now I think it's, Unless something just crazy miraculous happens. Robert Woods coming back from this injury ends up being a miracle. I don't know. But unless something like that happens, it's going to be Derek Henry is amazing. Ryan Tannehill kind of stinks. Robert Woods is pretty good. And you made it to the first round of the playoffs and you lost. Like, I think that's just what I think it's going to be. And it's really, that's no fun for anybody. So <laughs> it's better than being like a two win team, I guess. Sure. But at least a two win team gets like the first pick in the draft,
1: you know. Yeah, but how much fun is that if you're the Jaguars and you have the first pitch every single year? I mean, that's gotta get old at some point, right? Yeah. I,
0: I will say at least they're not like the Jaguars ownership. At least. I I am I am thankful for that. I, I'm certainly the, in a position. Or the Jets
1: where... who always take a defensive player in the top five, like they're always yeah. right there at number four or something.
0: I'm I'm happy that I'm jaded by the fact that the Titans have been good for a few years now. Like, I'm, I'm glad that I can take a step back and be like, well, at least we're not them. That's nice. You know, we're past that point. That's good. And our our problems are the Super Bowl window is closed and not we won two games last year. <laughs> uh,
1: real quick before we finish, what did you think of Mike Vrabel's reaction on draft night? Because he looked like he'd been through it. Like, he looked so conflicted. He said the right words, but he did not. his Like, his facial expressions did not match up with what he was saying.
0: I think it's, I just think it's exactly what I said. It was him and Robinson getting smacked with reality being like, it's not gonna be easy to do this, to build this Super Bowl team. They, they thought they were living on easy street and then it just didn't, you know, they made this terrible Todd Downing's garbage, the offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator, and then they kept him around. I mean, it's their own arrogance to a certain extent. That's keeping things mediocre. Um, you know, you, you have some moves in the past that you regret, some draft picks that were terrible, like all these things. And it's finally the chickens are really coming home to roost where you got to the point where it was you're either going to take the turn into being a Super Bowl team or you're going to take the turn back down the hill. And they took the turn back down the hill, I think. um, In my, my analysis of the situation, it, it was them looking and going, uh, uh, like, oh, uh, we this is not how we wanted this to go. You know, that it was, it was that. And again, I'm not, I've been through the really lean years with the Titans. So I'm not necessarily angry. I'm just sad. (laughs) That's, that's all, you know, Hey, it's, it's not a, not a two in season, but will we ever make a Super Bowl? I don't know. So there you go. For any, anybody who listens to this show and is a Titans fan, um, Here's my take uh, a little, little
1: bonus a little bonus for everybody. Yeah.
0: And otherwise I am sorry <laughs> to, to Tennessee <laughs> fans that that don't care. Maybe you do care. I don't know, but um, there's that. Thanks to everybody for listening. Um, Charlie uh, Burris, Zach Reagan at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT on Twitter at a to Z sports, Twitter, Instagram, a to Z sports.com, Facebook.com slash a to Z sports, Nashville. And uh, YouTube type in a to Z sports on YouTube and subscribe to the channel there. And you can see our beautiful faces. If that is something that you would like to do a to Z sports podcast, network feed, Apple, Spotify. I think that's the bulk of it there. This has been another long episode. Um, And otherwise, hopefully I'm excited to see what recruit uh, commits next week for our show. Uh, I'm on pins and needles. So, um, we'll we'll talk about that when it comes but otherwise uh yeah i think that's it we'll talk to y'all next week
1: see you guys later